Hello, happy October and welcome to Artist Avenue Season 2! We are finally back and are kicking off this amazing season with the beautiful Alice Eklund. Alice is a Cardiff-based director and dramaturg. She works in the theatre industry and has worked predominantly with companies and individuals based in Wales. Alice is also very passionate about woman-led work and new writing. This led her to setting up her own woman-led company called Bolshi. As a Welsh speaker, she's also interested in developing new bilingual pieces that push the norm and boundaries of Welsh medium theatre. So without further ado, let's dive straight into Alice's incredibly versatile journey throughout the creative arts. Enjoy the episode! So my name is Alice Eklund. I'm a theatre director and uh, emerging dramaturg. I am Welsh and I speak Welsh and I studied uh, film and television studies through the medium of Welsh at Aberystwyth University. Take us back to the beginning of your journey. What made you start out in the creative arts industry? Well, going to a Welsh, Welsh school, um, sort of primary and uh, comprehensive then, there's, uh, there's a Welsh theatre festival, arts festival, um, called the Eisteddfod that runs every year. And it's something that you can do within your school. There's something you can do sort of just within your community. And there's also something uh, even bigger that's sort of like a nationwide thing in Wales. And, um, you know, it's all about the creative arts. It's about poetry. It's about singing. It's about music and, and drama. It's, it's really great. So I started off uh, as a very small child doing sort of uh, mini Welsh solos. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, just sort of really enjoyed it in my teens as well, studying drama. And I was convinced that I wanted to go to drama school and, and do all that. And, uh, yeah, I sort of, when I got to sixth form, I sort of looked into possibly sort of going to drama school and I was sort of thinking like is this really for me am I am I ready for it um so I decided to instead go to university to study uh, to study drama instead um and I know that sounds weird because I've just said that I studied film and tv but um <laughs> I did actually originally go to study drama at Aberystwyth and uh it was it was a, a difficult sort of time because as much as I really appreciated doing drama in Welsh and, you know, getting to getting to work in Aberystwyth where there's, you know, brilliant facilities, I think what they were doing on the sort of uh, the curriculum then just wasn't for me. I didn't feel like I fitted in properly. I felt like the English medium side were doing sort of stuff that was a little bit more exciting. They were doing Philip Ridley and Alistair McDowell, and it was just really sort of gritty stuff that I wanted to be involved in. But um, I don't know, the Welsh side was just a little bit more muted. So in my second year, I decided to go into film and TV and stayed there. So it was, yeah, it was really great. That is so, that's a really nice little shift though as well, to go from drama into film and TV. Did you think um, that there was like a difference in it then? Um, I think, so basically because I did it through the Welsh medium, mm -hmm. um, there wasn't enough drama modules to sort of cover my entire first year. So they basically made us take half film and TV modules regardless. And um, so I got an introduction to it, which was really, really lovely. And I got to sort of see, I was definitely more interested in the theory side of it rather than the actual practical thing. So I was really interested in um, sort of learning about documentaries and learning about studio work and that sort of thing. So I found that the theory side of drama and the theory side of film really paired up quite nicely. So the transition didn't seem too much of a jump. Mm -hmm. um, so it meant I still got to do practical things and like, you know, I started directing in, in uni for, you know, our sort of filming and stuff for the course. And I never thought in a million years that I was going to go on and do directing professionally at all. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice. It was just a nice introduction. I think it's amazing to get to do something in such a small town with so many facilities. The arts department is just incredible at Aberystwyth and I highly recommend if someone isn't ready for drama school or isn't ready to sort of take the jump in a professional film school, um, just to head there because the alumni services are great as well. You can still have access to all the facilities if you're, you know, part of the alumni. It's just, yeah, it's really wonderful. So it's a, a great stepping stone, definitely. No, that is great. That's also great that you get to like, just go and like sneak peek into different areas. I think that's really important as creatives to just be open-minded. So yeah, it was really lovely because, um, because Aberystwyth is such a small town as well. It meant that sort of 
um, societies and and like sports societies and stuff were quite small in in turn with that and there were multiple sort of theatre and and performing arts societies and I got involved with the musical theatre one which was really great it's called um, Curtain Call Musical Theatre Society and it was like just having a little family at uni it was really lovely and we sort of tried to put on professional shows and uh, professional musicals then and like showcases throughout the year and it was just really fun to just get to do it at, for fun. And I think that was what I was missing maybe on the course was that I, I was having less fun and doing stuff that I really wanted to do myself. Um, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was, it was really nice to, I, and I love musicals as well. So it's just great to, to be involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And um, did you have, did you face any ups and downs during your training? Any difficult times? And if you did, how did you overcome them? I think sort of going off what I just said about being in the society, I think, I, do, I mean, I don't think I really had that sort of passion and that sort of drive for film and TV, I think. Otherwise, I would have gone straight into it in the first place. Um, so I definitely felt myself sort of leaning towards doing more stuff with the society. And um, I was vice president in my second year and then president in my third year. Um, I was leading the show in my third year and then directed the final one. And... I don't really remember anything from what I did on my actual course. So, I mean, it, it was, it, I mean, it was great. It meant that I got to sort of learn the theory side of it on my course and sort of practicalities of, of working in the arts on my course. But I think I, I learned so much from the people who were in that society. And we did this whole um, sort of 10 year anniversary concert where a lot of uh, the alumni came back and, you know, some of them are working as producers, lighting designers, directors, professional actors now. And it's, it was great to sort of learn from them. It was, it was like an add on to university that I wasn't expecting to get, but it was, it was great. And I think, yeah, so as much as I maybe sort of didn't feel like I was, thriving enough on my course I was definitely thriving in that in the community that I'd made with with that sort of society then which was really great. Mm -hmm. Onto your graduating life did you feel like once you've graduated that you were prepared for the industry? I think um, I was really fortunate when I was doing film and tv because there was um, there was quite a few modules where you had to get um, you had to get sort of work experience and um, sort of get to companies and work with them. I also got, when I went to university, I got a scholarship from uh, Kale Kamraig, which is basically like a Welsh college sort of association. And um, one of the conditions of that, um, that scholarship was to get some work experience in the Welsh language. So I was trying to look for um, film and TV experience in English and in Welsh. And I managed to get some experience with Lionsgate in their offices in London, which was really amazing. So I spent a week there sort of learning about script reports and uh, I was basically like a runner. So I got to sort of just run around London, you know, doing the sort of typical packaging thing and, and getting to sit in on amazing meetings about TV shows and films. It was great. And uh, I also worked uh, through the Welsh language then uh, with uh, BBC Radio Wales in the Carmarthen studios. I worked with with sort of small TV companies in Wales and just got to see how it works. And I think it was really nice to see that, I think one of the best things about working in Wales, whether that's in you know, theatre, TV, just the arts in general, is that it, it does have a very, very much of a community feel that as soon as you're in, everyone does know, who you, know you and they sort of look after you, which is really nice. Um, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't worried about going into the industry. I think what was worrying was there was, and I think it's still relevant now is that there, there does seem to be quite a lack of opportunities for people who are sort of between that graduate and emerging level, you know, it's, mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, that's something that we're definitely coming across right now with um, obviously the circumstances that we're in with this uh, <laughs> global pandemic. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see that that's changing and that more opportunities are coming out, but I definitely left uni under the impression that I needed to get a job and I needed to get a job quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I went to multiple interviews for film and TV jobs, um, you know, whether that was small companies or bigger companies. And every time I had the same thing, the email of the rejection. And I was just like, I don't understand why I keep getting rejected. I've, you know, I've gone to uni, I've got great experience. I've, you know, I, I want to do it. I know what I'm doing, but I think it's just sort of clicked that I don't think I wanted it enough. 
it wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to work in film and TV. There was always something that sort of made me go back to theatre. So I started going to uh, an amateur theatre company in Cardiff uh, called the Unknown Theatre Company. And I worked with uh, James Williams, who um, he's actually left now, but he used to be the sort of resident director there and he'd direct the musicals and, and the plays. And he was really, really wonderful. He works at Royal Walsh College. He's a professional director and composer. He's, he's absolutely brilliant. And uh, after I'd been there for a little while, I decided to just take the plunge with no job and move to Cardiff and uh, just sort of went there on a bit of a dream. <laughs> Those were the but, best decisions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was just really great because it meant that I was sort of just, I was a bit in limbo with obviously trying to figure out, you know, I need a job to pay rent and um, to sort of get on that way. But I was sort of finally just spending time thinking about what I wanted to do. Um, so I, I got a job in hospitality, um, but I sort of spent all my free time then uh, with the Unknown Theatre Company, you know, just checking out what was going on in Cardiff. The Cardiff theatre scene is really, really wonderful. So it was really great to sort of um, get to see what's going on. Um, and then James asked me to assist on one of one of the shows that he was doing uh, within the company, which was really lovely. I got to work with the younger cast members because it's predominantly a youth theatre company. So it was it was really nice to just sort of see how he works and how I could sort of um, take on those skills. And then a friend of mine mentioned that the other room in Cardiff, which is uh, the only pub theatre that we've got in Wales, uh, that they were running an ad for an assistant director for an um, a majority female team um, for a show called The Awkward Years. And I put in an application and then got an interview and then I got the job. And I was really, really surprised because I'd had sort of minimal directing experience. I was very, very minimal professional experience. But uh, Dan Jones, who's the artistic director there, he's really, really wonderful. We got on really well. And sort of since that job, it's sort of just really solidified that this is what I want to do. And it feels like this is what I'm meant to do, which is really nice. Um, and it's made me want to stay like in Cardiff. I think it's just, it's and in Wales in particular, it's just a wonderful theatre industry to be in. So I'm really glad to be a part of it. Yeah. No, it does, it does sound lovely. The way you're describing it as well, it feels like a little heartfelt place. <laughs> <laughs> Staying on the topic of directing, what, what is the difference between a director and a dramaturg? Um, so a director for me, or at least my sort of definition between the two is if I'm directing something or assistant directing, um, then I'm in the room sort of majority of the time or all of the time. And you're, you know, creating a piece with, with your actors and with your team. Um, and then I've got sort of small experience in dramaturgy at the moment, but it's sort of building, um, as I go on where it's sort of like the process before you get into the room. I mean, it, I think it's during as well. It's, um, I haven't had that experience just yet, but um, my experience of dramaturgy is, yeah, it's creating, it's creating the piece before it gets into the room and sort of making sure that that story is something that, that needs to be told and that people will understand when it's being told. Um, and I think when I'm, when, especially when you're sort of working on pieces that are being devised in the room or that are, be, you know, on an R&D, when you're sort of trying to figure out stuff um, in that respect, I find that, having had some work as a dramaturg really assists working as a director or working as an assistant director because you sort of have the knowledge of you know finding that golden thread that goes through a play or a piece or you know finding out what the big questions are that you want answered or you want um you know you want your audience to see which i think is i think the two of them do go really really nicely hand in hand but it's very important as a dramaturg to not look at a play as if you're going to direct it um, you definitely need to look at it from a very objective standpoint um, because there's there's ways that I would direct a piece that would be completely different to somebody else so it's all about the story it's just all about like I said you know just making sure that everything fits and that it's it's the piece that it's meant to be. Is it common that on a project that the dramaturg also directs the show or is it mostly that it's always two people um, I've never come across it where, um, where they do it together. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the jobs that I've worked on, um, you find that a dramaturg may pop in uh, to a rehearsal every now and then. Um, but I do think it's majority, uh, in my experience then, you know, it could be different anywhere else. But mm -hmm. um, in my experience, the dramaturgs tend to be sort of 
before you get in the room and then if it's a sort of a work in progress as you're rehearsing especially with edits and stuff like that or a very new writer um, they tend to come on the journey with you but not as much in the room they'll just work predominantly with the writer that's interesting I didn't know that because I always heard about a dramaturg but I never really actually knew exactly what they do <laughs> no exactly <laughs> so it's really interesting and, to get to know the perspective yeah yeah, yeah. and I mean like like I said I've, I'm definitely in the sort of emerging uh, sector of dramaturgy but what's been really wonderful is that when I first went into um, sort of professional work and I heard the word dramaturg I had no idea what it was and trust you know you just sort of nod along until you have a chance to figure out what it is <laughs> but I think it's not really until you get asked to do it that you sort of figure out I mean in my in my in my case anyway like I've been doing it for some Welsh language pieces that's been really wonderful um sort of working with emerging writers as well uh so yeah you sort of learn as you go on and you sort of learn what your style is as a dramaturg I think the best advice that I can give to anyone who wants to go into it which is definitely something that I'm uh, working on is just reading as much as you can and getting as much of a scope of what's out there at the moment um so you know reading the new plays what's come out with you know the NT connections what's being what's being made at the fringe you know if there's playtext available looking at what's around globally and yeah just reading as much as you can and that way then you can have a bit more of an objective standpoint on it you know getting a job as a reader for a playwriting award or something like that is uh you know a really great way of looking into you know making script reports you know reading something and then writing what you liked and didn't like about it and what what would you have changed you know and just sort of getting into that mindset it's uh it definitely helps <laughs> mm -hmm. And as a director, what do you value most during the rehearsal process and the run of a show? Um, I think in, in my rehearsal room, I find that as long as it's, it's safe and, you know, there's a level of trust there, the best thing to come out of it is, is a collaboration. Like, I don't, I don't want to be that director that goes into the room and tells people what to do or where to stand. And I know it's a really sort of cliche way of looking at it, but... I, I think it is just about it's working with the actors because nobody knows those characters more than the actors do. So letting those movements happen organically, those sort of shifts happen organically. And, and then I'm basically there to sort of just mold it into something that, you know, from an outside view, because I think, you know, obviously with actors internally, they, they have that character, they have that feeling, but it's a completely different view from the outside, from an audience perspective. So um, yeah, it's just about collaborating and creating something that's not, it's not just mine. It's something that's ours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, focusing on the Welsh theatre industry, in your opinion, what makes it so unique and how is it flourishing at this point in time? Um, I think with, with the Welsh theatre industry, like I said before, what's really wonderful is that um, every creative or most creatives, I think in Wales, um, you know, they look after each other, they go and see each other's shows, everybody's very ready to support each other, which is really, really wonderful. And, you know, that might not necessarily make us unique, but I think because Wales is such a wonderful training ground, you know, you've got the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama, there's, uh, you know, Bad Wolf have just moved in to, to Cardiff Bay, which is, you know, it's incredible to have a huge film and TV company come come to Wales mm. there's there's so many different theatre companies we've got Theatre Cloyd you know you've got National Theatre Wales and Theatre again I think it's it's just amazing to have so many different perspectives for you know such a small area as well mm -hmm. and I think it's you know it's amazing to see that you know people are pairing up emerging artists with established artists and those opportunities are there it's so much easier to get into the room because people are just happy enough you know if if you want to meet somebody for a coffee, they will meet you. That was one of the things that I found sort of starting out. I sort of finished my job on the awkward years and then sort of worried and panicked that I had nothing else lined up and what was I going to do? How was I going to get back into it? Because I just wanted to continue. Uh, so I spent a very long time sending a lot of emails, just asking people for a coffee, you know, getting to sit in their rehearsal rooms. And it was really beneficial because it just meant that I could just sit and listen and ask questions and people were so open for that to happen. You know, getting to sit in people's rehearsal rooms as 
an emerging director is an incredible experience because you just see how other people work on completely different projects and we have so many different directors in Wales you know we're very we're very lucky I think with the pool of directors that we have because people come from so many different backgrounds as well and I think especially at the moment um, you know there's there seems to be a huge cultural shift and it's it's definitely needed you know the Welsh the Welsh theatre industry and I think particularly sort of the Welsh language theatre industry it just needs that shift it needs updating it needs being made contemporary and and, it, and just that little bit more risky and exciting um just to sort of push it that little bit further as as really as difficult as this pandemic has been on the theatre industry I think what's what's made it what's made it worth it is that it has created this cultural shift it's made it's made artists and creatives make a change and people are you know putting more energy into the work that they want to make because that's all they can do right now nobody's being handed anything you know you have to create what you want to create and I think seeing what people have managed to do in Wales during this time has just been astonishing it's really wonderful to see that you know you can make a lot with a little I think that's that's really wonderful here. Mm -hmm. Is that also the what would you say the main differences between the UK and the Welsh theatre industry is? I think I mean I've worked predominantly sort of in sort of fringe theatre or smaller scale theatre mm -hmm. um, so commercially I can't really comment on on the differences but I think um, one of the biggest things is probably money um, I know that it's it's it is difficult to get funding obviously wherever you are but I think as a as a smaller as a smaller area with a smaller pool of artists there's definitely less money in it um so you know working with fringe theaters like the other room uh, they did uh they did a season uh, last autumn called the violent season and um it was three shows that they decided what they wanted to take on a Wales wide tour it also went to London it had uh you know a rep acting company it had three assistant directors three different directors you know a whole team of people three different writers it was a huge thing for a small fringe theater to do you know a small pub theater to do um but it just shows how you can get funding no matter how little it is and you know obviously a project like that was was quite a lot of money but it just shows that you can do amazing and incredible things on a smaller budget and and still achieve what you want to achieve you know we took a bilingual play to london and had sellout audiences and that's you know it's incredible for the welsh language community and to sort of pair that up then with a piece of writing by matthew bolgo you know it's it, you just don't get that every day i think that's it's really wonderful to sort of see you know it's, it's taking a chance you know i i think that's been the wonderful thing is that especially with companies like the other room if if they decide that they're going to commission a piece, they will commission that piece and they will see it through to the end, no matter what happens. Because if you have that pool of money, you need to use it and you need to get that piece done. And I think that's, that's what's really wonderful. And I think sort of moving forward, I definitely want to keep that attitude of, you know, making sure that every little bit of money counts and you get, you get everything that you want out of something, you know, you can borrow, you can ask, you can, you know, ask for help in this industry. It's really wonderful. And yeah, I just think it's, it's a really wonderful community and it's nice to see that people are, especially now, still creating things on whether that's, you know, minimum budgets or sort of minimum resources. And yeah, I just think it's, it's great to see that people are still creating at the moment as well. Yeah, definitely. And touching on bilingual theatre, how is it working bilingually? Because I find that so interesting. It's, it's really, really exciting. And um, I think sort of as sort of a young artist in Wales who speaks Welsh, I think one of the most exciting things is when you can work bilingually and it's not just purely in Welsh or purely in English because, you know, when, you, when we worked on Hella by Mariazad, which was the, which was the Welsh uh, bilingual show then that we took to London and across Wales uh, last year um, and the beginning of this year, one of the most amazing things was not everybody on that on that team spoke Welsh and it was, you know, a heavily Welsh show, which meant that, you know, our stage manager, um, Theo Hung, he, you know, we worked together creating subtitles for it that were, you know, English access for Welsh language. And, you know, he didn't speak Welsh at all, but, you know, we collaborated and we made that happen. Um, you know, our lighting designer didn't speak Welsh, the sound designer didn't speak Welsh, but 
it was amazing to see the effort that everybody put in to, you know, I mean, Theo, when he was running rehearsals would, you know, saying Borada, you know, good morning every, every morning before rehearsals or Pananda in the afternoon. It just made that, that much of a difference. And it was, it was really lovely to have that happening. And, you know, he, he worked on, he worked on the Welsh script most of the time rather than the bilingual script, which is just incredible, you know, and I think making pieces that aren't, that aren't pure and aren't perfect Welsh is the future because not every single person in Wales that's a Welsh speaker can speak perfect Welsh. I know that I don't, I'm, even though I'm first language Welsh and, you know, I went from, I was going to say Maithrin then, which is nursery, all the way up to university speaking Welsh. I still, I don't have a family that speaks Welsh, so I still speak Wenglish with people. Um, and, you know, it's, it's South Walian, it's a different dialect, it's completely different, but what's wonderful is that it's, it's my Welsh and everybody has their own version of what, what their Welsh is. You could be from, you know, you could be from Guatemala and move to Wales and be a Welsh learner and you're a Welsh speaker. You know, if you're learning Welsh and you know some Welsh and you can have, you know, whether it's a broken conversation with someone, you're still speaking Welsh. And I think that's more important than sort of having this sort of purity of it. You know, it's, it's an incredible language and it needs to be sort of continued. It needs to still have that fire behind it. And I think by creating pieces and creating teams that are bilingual, and that's not just in Welsh and English, it could be, you know, Welsh and Spanish, it could be Welsh and French. I've recently worked on an R&D where um, we created a script that was trilingual, that was English, Welsh and French. And, you know, we had people on the team that spoke predominantly French. And it was incredible to have that experience because I think unless you can work bilingually, you don't get an opportunity to to sort of have that experience. Mm -hmm. So I think I think the more opportunities there are for bilingual work to get out there and bilingual teams is 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 the better. I think it would be great. Yeah, no, definitely. And talking about bilingual work, um so when you take over a, a bilingual play, is it that the actual show is performed in both languages at the same like does the script incorporate English and Welsh throughout or is it like the Welsh version and the English version let's say? Um, I think it completely depends on the piece I know that there are um, there are pieces where they'll be performed you know maybe in the afternoon in English and then the evening in Welsh or you know and so mm -hmm. on and so forth um, but there are like with with Hella for example um, you had one character that spoke predominantly Welsh and then the other character spoke in English and then throughout the play started speaking a little bit more Welsh. It was um, sort of part of the storyline and, and how that adapted. Um, but yeah, I think with bilingual work in Wales, I think it does predominantly sort of just merge the two together. Um, and then it's, it's just about sort of creating access for people then, whether that's through uh, subtitles. Um, there's, also, there's also a service um, that we have, I think Theatre Again run it and... Um, I think it's called Sibrud, which is basically translated as a whisper, where you can have headphones and somebody's basically saying the script oh, to wow. you in English while a Welsh language show is on. So you can still have access to it without having to read. You can you can follow along as sort of audio, which is really wonderful, you know, for accessibility and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we still have people doing a BSL interpretation for Welsh shows, which is really wonderful. You know, that, that can still happen as well. I think, yeah, it's just about making something that's bilingual inclusive and, mm -hmm. and making it accessible to everyone. And, you know, it'd be amazing for somebody who doesn't speak Welsh or English to be able to come to a bilingual show or a Welsh show and still be able to follow it just through sort of feeling. And because I think, you know, obviously language is something that's completely universal and is an experience for everyone, no matter, no matter what language you speak. So I think, yeah, it's just about making it, you know, inclusive and it's about the experience of being in theatre and understanding it that way. Definitely. No, I think it's so cool and so important that like bilingual and more language things come into theatre as well. I think that's really, really cool. Um, and then talk to us about your beautiful company, Bolshi. Did I say it right? Yeah, yeah yes. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sort of at the start of this year and um, sort of, I think probably mid last year as well, it probably started properly. Um, I basically have this ambition that one day I want to run, whether it's like a festival or a conference where it's just full of Welsh and Wales based creative women 
um, who, you know, whether it's about skill sharing in seminars and workshops or if it's, you know, performances, if there's a gallery with artists working there, you know, a huge room with soundscapes, something like that. Um, it was basically just an idea that I'd had for a while. And I was like, okay, how can I start this as someone who's a really young artist and sort of build towards that end goal? Um, so I decided to come up with uh, Bolshi, which comes from the word Bolshi then for that tends to be, you know, a derogatory term against women for being sort of brash or bossy. Um, and I just wanted to reclaim that. And it's predominantly for Welsh and Wales based women. And uh, at the moment, I sort of use it as a platform to sort of celebrate the incredible creatives that we have in Wales and who are Welsh or Wales trained. So I've run sort of multiple features and that, you know, to be a creative woman, you don't necessarily have to work in in theatre or in film and TV, you could be an artist, you could be, uh, you know, you could create your own clothing line. And I think that's been what's been really interesting about being doing it in this situation with the sort of pandemic happening is that a lot of people who work in theatre or in the arts have used their skills in a different way to still keep on creating. So there's uh, there's been a really wonderful uh, actress who's uh, she set up a baking company and she's been, you know, sort of delivering sort of cake boxes around Cardiff and uh, I think it's got yeah the school bell bakery and it's been really wonderful to just see that you know she's taken something you know really difficult that's happened and decided to create it into something where she's still thriving and she's still creating which is wonderful um, so it's just about highlighting sort of what how how women sort of work in this industry um, I run a feature on a Wednesday called uh, women crushing it Wednesday and uh, it's just about highlighting, you know, whether there's challenges for them as a woman in the industry or, you know, what it is that inspires them and, and why they wanted to start out. And it's, yeah, it's been really wonderful just sort of finding people. And I don't think there's a better feeling than, you know, asking someone to be a feature and then just going like, really, are you sure? Are you sure that I can do this? Which seems to be a, you know a bit of a running theme I think for women across the world is just you could be the most experienced person and you still doubt if you know your voice should be heard and I think that was one of the main reasons that I wanted to start it up was to to let people have that platform to share their voice because it's important and mm -hmm. it's it's amazing to see that there are you know there's lots of incredible opportunities for whether that's female directors, you know, um, women working in the industry on, you know, playwriting awards that are directed towards women and, you know, female-led teams. It's just, it's great to see that it's happening and that there is some shift in it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'm hoping that there's, there's going to be a change for the better and it's just going to continue to grow as well. Yeah. And in your eyes, what's the importance of giving females a voice in our industry, in your opinion? I think you know, too often, you know, especially in Wales as a sort of smaller community, too often, um, you know, there's only so many voices that can be heard at once um, or at one time. So I think finding those people who don't get to share their voice enough and letting them have a platform and letting them share their story, whether they're an established artist or an emerging artist or just somebody who appreciates art, you know, I think everybody deserves to have their voice heard if they've got something to say. And I know from, from my experience of sort of going into theatre, a lot of my mentors were men and I didn't have that sort of female voice guiding me through things. And it was the first time that I had a meeting with uh, a mentor that I had last year uh, called Yvonne Murphy. And one of the first things she said was, okay, tell me why you want to do this. And I told her and she said, okay, well, you obviously want to do this. So, uh, you know, don't ever work for free because your time is worth something. If you have something to say, say it. And she was very matter of fact and, you know, very much sort of lit that fire of, okay, I really should be taking myself a little bit more seriously and, you know, not feeling like I was going to sort of float my way through this industry or, you know, go under the radar. You know, she very much made it that I needed to be heard and I needed to be seen. And since then I've had the opportunity to work with absolutely incredible women in this industry and, it's it's just great to see that that it seems to be it's you know it almost feels like a little bit of a takeover sometimes because there's just so many incredible women finally coming up and and creating incredible art uh, back in april i worked with the sherman on um a small sort of online monologue series and there were three female directors on there 
and that just doesn't happen you know it's just great to see that happening and you know all three of us from different you know differing levels of experience and from different sort of backgrounds and it, it was just great to see that that had happened and those opportunities are there which is <laughs> just really great yeah, it's, um, so at the moment we're sort of going through um, a rebrand. So when I first started out, it was just me using sort of pages on my laptop and trying to create a logo and creating things for social media that was taking up a lot of time and a lot of energy to get something that was sort of, it was a little bit not great. It's not 100% professional. It's definitely there and it's it's doing something sort of graphics wise, but I wanted to be able to give the opportunity to um a welsh graphic designer so i've been working with um a woman called brogan evans who's based uh in the cunning valley in south wales and um well, she might actually be in swansea now but she's based in south wales and uh we've been working together to create sort of a brand new logo we're creating a digital logo and i'm hoping to get some original music on top of that as well um i'm also working with um uh, an associate artist who I've got uh, Tori Lyons on her debut play which is a one woman musical and hopefully that'll be sort of moving when when it can over the next couple of months um, and also when we do the rebrand I'll be announcing a brand new associate artist uh, who I've been working with on a really really big project so it's still sort of on the ground at the moment and uh, I'm not going to share too much about it just in case uh, it doesn't sort of lift off as much as we think it will, but um, it's it's a huge experience. And if we can pull it off, I think it'll really, really make an incredible platform for Welsh and Wales-based women and beyond, because we're going to try and, you know, pair up Welsh and Wales-based women with international artists and create those collaborations. And I'm just so excited that, that there's a possibility of that happening. And it will happen. I'll make sure that it happens. <laughs> Manifest it, it will. <laughs> yeah. No, that's all great. And I think you said, like earlier, you said something really interesting, which I think is really worth touching upon when you said that your mentor said that it's time to like take yourself seriously. And I think that's something a lot of creatives, we don't do that. It's not a given that we do. We're always like, is this going to like, come across the way I wanted um is it like the right time to do this so I think that's really lovely to hear yeah I mean especially sort of I think when you're sort of in between whether it's graduating from drama school or from university or just starting out and then sort of getting your first sort of big job then you know or you know your first professional job you sort of do have a feeling that whatever's given to you you should take it because it's experience and you should you know do whatever you can and whether that's working for free or you know doing a lot of a lot of work for a small amount of money I mean obviously there's there's different people who can uh you know do more on smaller resources but I think especially during this uh you know during this time uh with COVID it's been really interesting to sort of sit down and look at what I really want to put my energy into mm -hmm. because I think especially at the moment you know people don't have don't have the drive as much or don't have the energy because it's you know it's an incredibly difficult time even if you are supported financially or mm -hmm. you know emotionally with people it's still a really really difficult time a lot of people are you know are grieving in in the sense of lost work or lost opportunities um, lost experiences and I think the more time that you put, you know, that you put into deciding where your energy and where your time goes, I think is, is the most important thing because you'll, you'll get a lot more out of, out of what you put your energy into, you know, knowing that you're doing a project because it means something to you. Or um, I, had, I had somebody tell me before that it's really important whenever going into a new opportunity to think about um the three p's so whether it's it needs to have two out of three of the three p's just to make it worth it and the three p's are pay prestige and pleasure so as long as it has two out of three of those you know you could be on something that you're not quite enjoying um but it's financially viable and um it'll help you in the industry that's that works you know you can work on something that will help you in the industry and you're having a lot of fun but not really great pay and that will also you know you're putting your energy into something you want to do mm -hmm. um and I found that's been really really helpful sort of looking at projects and um I think that was what made me 
want to set up my own company more as well was sort of going, okay, this is something that is, that is for me that I can share with other people, but it's something that I'm taking ownership of and I'm going to run it and I'm going to decide, you know, what happens. I'm doing it on my own time, which is really great. And yeah, I think since having that sort of mindset and moving forward, it's, uh, it's definitely easier than sort of yeah. panicking time. <laughs> um, and as a director, do you have any advice you can give actors from your point of view? I think as someone who sort of comes from a sort of grassroots kind of background, um, having not sort of trained in any way, shape or form, really, especially in this industry, is to just be just be proud of wherever that wherever it is that you come from and whatever background you come from. You know, not everybody can afford drama school. Not everybody can get there. Not everybody has, you know, the facilities in in, you know, their community. I know that, you know, I'm not sure what it's like sort of UK wide, but you know, theatre and performing arts is something that's definitely slowly being taken out of curriculums in schools, which is, is, is a devastating thing. So not everybody has access to the arts like everybody else. So yeah, just be, just be proud of where, where you come from and take the chances. You know, if there's an opportunity that you think might be a little bit out of your reach, just, just go for it because it's better, you know, for your name to go across that casting director's desk or a director's desk or, you know, whoever. And it's great to put yourself out there and to to just keep going but I think also in the same breath to to just really value your time and if you need to take a break and you need to you know sort of regenerate you need to go back and sort of whether it's read or just watch things to get more experience I think just just take your time and and put your energy into something that's that's worth it for you and I think I, from working with sort of community artists, uh, emerging artists and, you know, people with no background in theatre at all, I think one of the w- most wonderful things is just if someone wants to be there, they will be there and they, um, you know, they, they will make the effort. And that means a lot more to me than having someone who's gone to drama school and has all of these credits and makes it a difficult time for you. Yeah. You know, I've, I've just, I, I work a lot with um, with young people and it's really wonderful just to see them to see them thrive on stage. And I think, you know, it's just it's great to see the interest. And if you love this industry and you love love the arts, then it, it does it, it does show. And that's what I love to see. So I, I really appreciate it when people do. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> no problem at all. <laughs> And um, is there any area in our industry that you want to see improvement in? Um, I think uh, especially with um, the sort of huge shift in the industry that's happening, following what happened with, uh, with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, everything that's coming out at the moment, I think one of the biggest shifts is that we need to, you know, we need to split our time as as artists and give other people that you know the platform that they deserve give those opportunities to people um and not be lazy about it i think especially in welsh language theater um you know i think over the years there's this idea that there's not enough non-white people who speak welsh which is a complete lie there's people there um you know there's there's people who do who do create who speak welsh who live in wales uh Chippy Lane, which is a wonderful theatre company here in Wales, created a database of, I think it was about 200 um, uh, black and non-black people, uh, people of colour um, artists that are Welsh and Wales trained or Welsh and Wales based um, that we've managed to sort of give to, to institutions and show them that those people are there. And I think that's, you know, it's just really important that we start really putting people in the forefront um, Mm -hmm. where they deserve to be and I think also following this pandemic is to not necessarily rely on you know institutions and buildings because we don't know if they're going to be there when this is over and it's really really unfortunate to see that but I think we need to start putting more faith in in the artists in the freelancers that work in this industry because they're the ones that are you know that are creating without those buildings behind them and you know, it's about redistributing, you know, skills, redistributing wealth, redistributing anything that you can in order to continue being creative and to just keep this industry going. Because I think we need to let go 
of what the industry was and remember that it's okay for something to be new and it's scary but it's okay and I don't want us to sort of have this new normal. It's, I don't want it to be normal. I want it to be something that's new and that's innovative and it's being created by the people who create. That sounds really, really weird, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's created by, by the people who run this industry, which is wonderful. No, definitely. Yeah. And then taking off the commercial pressure of it as well, because I do think a lot of theatre in the last few years has gotten a lot about this thing that you said about the buildings and this commercial thing that's there. And I think it is stripping it back to the art. That is something that's valuable. I think it needs to come back in a way. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's obviously incredibly disheartening and it's sad to see buildings struggling because, Mm. you know, a lot of people buildings are what gave them their first job. You know, my first job came from, from, you know, a building and it was great, but it's about all the people that are that are struggling at the moment and the people who can you know redistribute their wealth or redistribute their skills whether they're furloughed or they're still working there's a way of of still creating with people and you know moving forward as creatives and not just being stuck to buildings and remembering that you know there's there's regional theatre companies and small theatre companies that are miles away from buildings at the moment that are still you know created without buildings and will still create without them and that's okay yeah this leads us nicely into the next question which is in your opinion what unites us as creatives um i think sort of i'm I'm friends with quite a lot of creative people um i don't think many of my friends aren't creative people (laughs) um which you know shows to me that you know if you are creative and that can be in any sense of the word whether that's as an audience member as somebody who participates or creates you are a part of a community and i think that's what's really important is it's about seeing each other's shows and you know being honest about things it's not just about you know being one big happy you know loving family it's about being able to critique what people do and you know to be honest with people but it's, it's, it's about support. It's about mentoring. You know, I think creatives find creative people and things will be created no matter what happens. So, you know, there's, there's really small youth and community companies that create on tiny, tiny budgets or, you know, they, they create on nothing and they still create incredible work. So it's about not forgetting who they are and knowing that, you know, it's, it's not about fame. It's not about fortune. It's just about, the grassroots of it and it's just about creating so yes it's about creating that community over creating rather than you know over over fame and fortune and everything that people aspire to you know you yeah. can you can be united as creatives without without all of that as well completely agree completely agree and especially on that word support i think that's so important in our industry that we have to support each other and like uplift yes, each exactly. other and yeah. Definitely. Um, And everyone loves this question. (laughs) What makes you unique as a creative? um, (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Some Um, self-love time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, um, I don't know if it makes me unique, but um, one of the things that I love about my job is that I... I love collaborating and I love working with women and creating work with, you know, unheard voices or unheard stories and just pushing the boundaries of the norm of what, especially Welsh language theatre is. Um, I'm really, really passionate about that. So I'd like to say that, I don't know, I, I don't know if it makes me unique, but I just love that I'm sort of pushing for, for this new, uh, this sort of new surge of, of bilingual work or you know new Welsh norms uh, or Welsh language norms so it's uh, yeah <laughs> I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of people in Wales who are also striving for the same thing but it's uh, it's definitely something at the forefront for me yeah definitely you have to celebrate that because it is <laughs> unique like I I was really interested when I got introduced to you via Gwenin I was really really intrigued and I I just think it's fabulous what you do so that definitely does make you unique I was just saying thank you so much for that that's uh, you know it's really lovely to hear that yep it's the truth <laughs> <laughs> um 
And to round off the interview, do you have any last comments or advice that you want to share with the listeners? Um, I think uh, advice, I think uh, whether you're an emerging creative or, um, you know, an established artist and you're wondering whether or not you should speak to somebody that, you know, you admire or somebody whose work you admire, I think just take the plunge and go for it. What I'm finding sort of going to the multiple uh, Zoom meetings that seem to be happening with creatives over this time is that, you know, you meet somebody who's established and they say, if you enjoy somebody's work, tell them because nobody dislikes hearing that their work is great and it's admired. So, you know, start those relationships with people and, you know, it might not necessarily give you a job, but it gives you, it gives you somebody who's, who's there as part of your community now, which is, which is really great. And, um, you know, just to, if you are Welsh and Wales based and you're a woman to check out, to check out Bolshe and let me know, cause I want to meet new people. And that's been one of the best things about it is, is meeting people that I didn't know in Wales and, you know, putting them on the platform, which is really great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me well thank you for coming on and sharing your journey and your story and i can't wait to share it with the world actually <laughs> thank you so much and thank you for doing what you're doing it's it's really wonderful to sort of you know um as much as i say that i love working in wales and and being in this small smaller community you know it, sometimes it feels a little bit like an echo chamber so it's lovely to sort of hear from from people all over the place and you know who do lots of different things so i really appreciate you know what you're doing and, and a big thank you to Gwenan for introducing us yes shout out to Gwenan at this point <laughs> <laughs> and that was the official start of season two i really hope you have enjoyed this inspiring interview with alice eckland artist avenue will be back next wednesday with another exciting interview make sure to follow us on social media and keep spreading the word Lots of love and have a fabulous week. Christiana.